0: Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Hey, everybody, it's David Nagel. Welcome to the Successful Mind Podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest. I mean, I cannot tell you how amazing this person is. Um, his name is Marcus Ogden. I'm going to read you his bio, which I don't typically do, but I want you to get kind of a frame uh, for where this gentleman is coming from and what he's been through, and then we're going to dig into his story. So here we go. In 2003, Marcus was drafted into the NFL as an offensive lineman, I mean, which is amazing as it is. After five years of playing in the league, he decided to retire – and pursue a career in construction and contracting. At the age of 27, Marcus founded the construction company called Caden Premier Enterprises. The company had fast growth. And in 2010, Marcus won the African-American Subcontractor of the Year Award in the state of Maryland, which I lived there for five years, by the way. Eventually, his business went bankrupt, almost losing almost $2 million on one project in a matter of 90 days. During his darkest hours, he pulled himself together, got a part-time job as a custodian and worked hard uh, and determination, became the inspirational keynote speaker, executive coach, best-selling author, and marketing leader, helping to build the success of others. Marcus, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, David. I appreciate it. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's so, I am honored to have you on. I really am. Thanks for doing this. Um. So let's get into this. First mm-hmm. of all, what was the journey like to the NFL? Tell us about that. The journey
1: to the NFL was very interesting because my brother, Jonathan Ogden, who's a Hall of Famer, first battle, he's actually the youngest Hall of Famer in the NFL's history to be inducted. He was inducted 37 years old. He beat out Barry Sands by about two months, I believe. And he had 132 of 132 Division I scholarship offers. I went to St. John's, which is a humongously, huge football program. Um, you know, uh, there's, a, there's actually a gentleman, a young guy who's actually right now playing with the, uh, the Rams who was drafted this year out of St. John's High School, who went yeah. to Alabama. Uh, I mean, this is a phenomenal league and phenomenal, you know, you know, athletes. And I got one scholarship offer to Howard University. That's it, because my coach messed up my transcript and everybody thought I was a, se- a junior when I was a senior. And I ended up finally getting the offer to Howard, where my dad went to school, went to Howard, and I played football. Like, oh, you know, I'm just going to go be an investment banker. I'm going to follow my dad's footsteps. I'm not going to be an NFL athlete. I mean, like, I got one offer. What's the real deal? So I got the offer, and I went, and I was a four-year starter. And I ended up being drafted. I'm actually the first and only offensive lineman ever drafted from Howard University to the National Football League. Uh, which is absolutely amazing. I'm I'm hoping that changes at some point, but yeah. it's kind of nice to have that as a, something to kind of just say that's kind of a cool little anecdote. And then I got to the NFL and I was drafted by Jack Del Rio, personal friend of the family, because I knew Jack when he was coaching with the Ravens. Uh, he was a linebacker coach. Then he became the D coordinator with the Panthers. And then he became the head coach of the Jaguars. And I was also drafted by James Shaq Harris, who was the first African-American starting quarterback in the National Football League. It was like 1960 or 61 with the Buffalo Bills. And it was just amazing to be drafted playing against some phenomenal guys like John Henderson and Marcus Stroud to playing in the NFL for almost six years against some of the best of the best. And. That's what I loved about the game, Dave. It was the ability to go out and just play with your brothers, play with your bonded, you know, guys in your locker room, go to war against other guys who were the best of the best and go out there and just play the game and just let the chips fall where they may. I mean, there's no holding back. There's no point shaving. It's like, let's go do this. Let's go win. Let's go play the game. And so to me, the NFL was a really – pivotal experience of just like really being the best of the best. And that's really how you mentioned earlier, how it translates to what I've done in my career now after the gridiron, because I learned so much from the
0: gridiron about how to be a professional and be the best I could be. Right. Exactly. And, and I mean, like you're living one of the, like us guys, right? Like everybody's got a dream to do something like that. Professional sports. It's so ingrained in our culture. You know, it's like, uh, uh, it's like royalty in, in our country. I mean, and what a what a gr- great achievement and a blessing to be able to do. What? So you're five years, right? Five years you were in there. What happened? How did how did that end? I
1: had a back. I had a back injury. I went to the Titans after my father passed away. I was at the five and a half year mark. You know, going to that you know, about to be sixth season, and my back just kind of gave out. And I said, you know, I could try to rehab this, or I can take a settlement and move on. And I realized that. If I can't play the game at a high level, if I'm going to be thinking about in my mind, is my back going to be okay? Am I going to give out? Am I going to be able to handle the bull rush? Am I going to be able to do what I need to do? Can I get the guy out of the hole? Can I down block? Can I double team with my tackle, with my tight end? Can I make things happen? If I'm not feeling my best, then I'm not going to perform my best. And once I made that realization, David, it was time to move on.
0: Okay. So that's like the the, the dreaded... uh, the uh, thing that so many people in professional sports worry about is the the ultimate injury that's going to take them out and end the career, yeah?
1: Oh, absolutely. Between, you know, I saw yesterday, well, of course, on Sunday, uh, Ronnie Staley, now thank goodness he got his big contract from the Ravens, right. but, you know, he's out for the year with a high ankle sprain. And then um, look at Dak Prescott, you know, I mean, he got a big one-year deal franchise, but he doesn't have a, a long-term deal yet. But, you know, his leg, is. I mean, it's just broke. I mean, I've seen more injuries like – uh, Nick Bosa, you know, with a uh, San Fran out for the year, you know, Craig, Greg Kittle's was out for eight weeks. Gar- Garoppolo's out for six weeks. Like, I mean, they're dropping like flies, and it's yeah. so horrible because I believe this <clears> whole <throat> lack of training and all that type of stuff played a major role in this whole process.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, go to basketball. You look at Kobe. Once he hurt that ankle, it was never the same again, right? It became a it became a weak point. So it it's it's interesting because it's such a great career to be able to have, but you know, the body is not perfect. And once it starts going, you know, now you've got, now you've got a problem. So transition out of that, you come out and decide to go into construction contracting. How did that come about?
1: Uh, I actually took a course when I was playing in the the NFL and I fell in love with development. I fell in love with real estate, but also to be honest with you, completely, I wanted to also, make money and I fell in love with the big check syndrome. And in construction, if you were lucky to get into the right spots, you could do very well financially. So I ended up doing that, took the course, and then I went to a, an event uh, at Morgan State in Baltimore, Maryland, okay. where and I and Congressman Elijah Cummings, who passed away about maybe a year ago, was speaking. And I remember him saying, one of you could be the next large minority contractor in this industry. And you can actually sit at the table with the majority contractors and get an opportunity to do great things. And when I heard him say that, I was like, okay, why can't that be me? And that's what I did. I said, I'm going to go for it. And I went for it and I ended up, you know, meeting my partner and we built a massive organization. Like, you know, by the time we got into year four, going into year four day, We were the largest African-American subcontractor in the city of Baltimore, state of Maryland, the area of site work. My mentor went out of business, and when he went out of business, there was a large void in that space. And again, all the city and state-funded contracts needed minority contractors to fill them. So they came to us. We had the team. We had the crew. We could bond our jobs. We had operations in place. And we did that and we grew and we became an eight figure business, you know, going into year by the end of year four.
0: That That's phenomenal growth right there. It is,
1: <laughs> but but here's the problem though. The phenomenal explosive growth led to my demise because as the company grew, my ego grew right along with it. And as my ego grew, what happened is I became somebody that you couldn't speak to. I became somebody you couldn't talk to. I became somebody that if you tried to give him advice or input, didn't want to hear it. I became literally an individual who had just was mesmerized by his own success. And I tell people all the time today in business, don't get mesmerized by early success. Because as quick as you make money, you can lose it just as fast. It took me five and a half years to build my empire, Dave. I lost it all in 90 days. And then when my best employee tried to give me some advice on what to do and how to avoid some mistakes, I didn't listen to him. And I shunned him. That was on a Friday. He came in that following Monday with his two-week resignation papers, put it in my hand, Dave. And then he ends up going to another job. And like he predicted, six months later, the company is bankrupt. I'm broke. My home foreclosed on, both cars repossessed in the same day. And I literally, they went from a multimillionaire to having $400 to my name. That's
0: it. In 90 days.
1: 90 days, 90 days. Cause I spent about $2.5 million on the project. And then that was between October and, des- and end of December, going to the beginning of January, February, the the bank denied our line extension because the contractor denied our change order because they shook my hand saying we were going to get paid and they didn't pay us. And again, that's the that's the problem with earthwork and site work. It's a heavy cash business. Yeah, I was paying truckers, I was paying stone, I was paying utilities, I was paying. Uh, you know my employees. I was on a right. wage scale job, twenty two dollars an hour. I was working seven days a week, overtime. Like I was spending a hundred thousand dollars a week in payroll,
0: easily. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's waiting for that. Like we're not delivering unless we get paid. It's. I mean, I was in, Yeah, I was in the contracting business for a while. I know what that's like. So tell me. So this falls apart on you like almost overnight. Where's your mindset at this point? What are you thinking?
1: My mindset was hoping and praying the
0: bank was going
1: to save us, and then in February they made it known to us they were not going to save us. We had a, a potential deal on the table with a very high uh, high-profile individual. Uh, his father was a big-time politician and a big-time, you know, uh, mover and shaker, actually within the country. But we were about to get the deal done, and then my partner did not tell them the truth about us having to deal with a, uh, a lawsuit issue from an organization okay. and they knew it wasn't the truth from him. And once they left the office that next day, we get an email, sorry, Arthur Marks, we're going to, we're going to back out of the deal because you all weren't because Arthur was not being truthful with what was going on as a result of that. That was it. And God. at that time it was, it was over. And I said, wow, So my mindset was just scrambling to figure out what to do next and how to get from A to B to C. Like I was just in total scramble mode. And by the time Dave, my fiance, who's now my wife, who I met six months prior, by the time we had paid for movers and paid for a deposit for our new place we were going to get in Carolina, because we I, mean, I couldn't stay in Baltimore because right. I owed too many people money and the business was just, it, this wasn't a good place for me to stay. And I was getting very depressed in Baltimore. Everything around was just not good. So when I after all the stuff that we took care of, right, all the stuff we had to pay to get out of that to here and down here... Phew, April, 2013, Dave, I look at the bank account after paying the deposit and the first months and all that different stuff, everything, $400. That's it. Credit cards maxed out. I had a job at Merrill Lynch, but I wasn't going to get paid until until like probably six weeks because I missed the pay scale and they were going to be out and I had to be, I wasn't in the system to get paid in two weeks. So I had to wait six weeks. And so I ended up actually, uh, almost being homeless because of that. But thank God the NFL stepped in with a called the Gene Upshaw trust fund. It actually was just formed that January 2013 and they paid four months of my bills with my rent. Uh, they paid little bills like that just so we wouldn't go homeless. And I tell everybody that was my saving grace. And again, I was at Merrill Lynch working, I got fired after two months. Got a job the next day to a construction company, fired five days later. They shut down the parts division. And the only jobs I could get, Dave, was coaching football to the youth as a business owner, you know, running okay. private lessons and all that. And it wasn't making enough money because my kids now were getting into football season. So they stopped coming for training. I needed another job. And one of my clients owned a custodian business and she said she's looking for some help. And I asked her, when can they start? She said to me, and They said, How much are they making? She said, $8 an hour. I said, I'll take it. She said, Marcus, $8 now? I said, I'll take it. Said, the best I can give you is $8.25. I said, done. Wow. And I started working from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. on the night shift for her, along with coaching football and the youth, just to barely make anything. I made
0: $311 a week. Your survival at this point, it's just bare bones survival. Oh, so, oh so it's just bare yeah. bones
1: survival. Yeah. How yeah. There's, there's was no- your...
0: How was your so your wife was your girlfriend at the time, yeah? Yep, that's right. So how how did she deal with this? Did she support you through the whole thing? She believed in you the whole
1: thing. She said, Marcus, you were successful once, you could be successful again. But you can't be successful sitting on your butt. So she stayed with me the whole time. Uh, she dealt with everything. And she's been with me ever since. We've been together now uh, eight years. Yeah, we've been together eight years. Yep, married five and a half.
0: Great. I love hearing that. That's fantastic. Congratulations yep. on that.
1: Yeah. So she's put up with a lot of my stuff, man. She's a great woman. She's put up with my stuff, and uh, <laughs> yep. And so yeah, it's 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 nice to be able to do things now where you know you feel you can really you know support the person versus before we we're just trying to basically stay in scramble mode.
0: Right. Okay, so now you're, now you're custodian. What, ha, what happens next? Because I often hear from, from people, you know, the, the, the climb up from a fall uh, is usually the hard one. Like when you, when you hit the bottom, you got to get your mind right. You, you got to get over the, the guilt, the shame, uh, looking down on yourself. What was this climb? How did you, first of all, how did you get the inspiration to climb back out of there?
1: Well, my wife gave me the inspiration by saying, look, you know, you had success. You can do it again. But she said, if you just sit around and wait for it to happen, it's never going to happen. So really and truly, Dave, the custodian job, if I didn't have that job, I wouldn't be who I am today. Because on the custodian job, I had the pivotal moment where someone's trash rotten meat, banana peel, spoiled milk at about 4.30 in the morning, got on my bare skin, my body, and my clothes because I went to throw the trash out like I always do on my shift and there was a rip on the front side of the bag and I didn't see because it was pitch black 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. When, I went to throw, when I went to throw the trash out, I ended up throwing it and then when I went to go in, pow, all the trash came back only because that rip and I didn't see it. And that was the pivotal moment. I said, "Wow! If I don't make a change today, I'll be here for the rest of my life." And I call it Dave the Al Bundy Syndrome. One of my favorite shows, Married <laughs> with Children. Yeah, you know, I was a great, you know, I, I was a great high school football player. I scored four touchdowns in one game. I was great in the past. I was a great high school player. I was, I was a great college player. I was, I was a great NFL player. Marcus always talking about the past. And that's no place to be because if you're living in the past, you're never living in the, in the present or going into the future. So I ended up saying I need to turn this around. And so what I tell everybody to do that's going through a struggling time, which a lot of people are now with COVID. Come home, take a breath, sit down, write down three of your biggest strengths. What do you do well? Then figure out what is the passion in which you want to pursue based off those strengths that creates your ambition then you have to be driven to go work hard and work through all the bs to get where you want to go and then hard work focus on yourself not the competition but first things first write down your three biggest strengths figure out what your passion is and then from there move forward with your life
0: so was this an obvious path for you then to you to start coaching and teaching and training and speaking and you're a published author you know, that's a hell of a climb back up. Uh, was that how did, how did that, how did that that path open to you? How did you The see path, that?
1: The path opened to me, like I tell everybody in their own way. I leaned on my inner circle. I told people that I was training their kids who were some high up affluent people in the, in, in the Raleigh community, because I hadn't been there that long, what I wanted to do. Because cause they love me for working with their kids, they helped me. My first speaking job, of course, non-paid, was for the Raleigh Boys and Girls Club in downtown Raleigh because one of my coaches from my camp worked there, got me with the CEO, and that's when I did that. My first non-paid Fortune 500 speaking job was for NetApp because I trained the guy who was head of their healthcare for North Carolina. I trained both his sons in football technique, and he gave me an opportunity. So I really leaned on my inner circle and I started telling them what I wanted to do. As a result of that day, that's how my speaking career got born. But it took me two and a half years to get my first paid speaking job. Really? September 2013 is when I started. I didn't get my first paid speaking job date until April
0: 2016. Gotcha. Okay. And then, so, so now you have two books, is that right? Correct.
1: My so, Sleepless Nights is my autobiography. It's a bestseller. Then the Success Cycle, which is out now, which is also a bestseller, and that's in uh, Amazon online, Barnes Noble online, and every Barnes and Noble and every Barnes and Noble bookstore across the country on the shelf.
0: Tell us about the, Tell us about your latest book.
1: The Success Cycle is about three keys, Dave, to help you achieve success in your own life. Again, ambition, create your blueprint create your roadmap, create the vision, paint the picture for your life. Then second one is drive. Be inspired over motivated and know what your why is and tell people about your why because if they know why you do something, chances of them working with you, Dave, go sky high. And then third is hard work. Focus on yourself, not the competition. Don't worry about social media. Don't worry about the comparison game. Worry about just getting your stuff done to the best of your ability. Do that, no matter what you do, you can have success.
0: I gotta ask you, because the things that you did, they're pretty astonishing. Like, it's it's above the average. It's definitely above mediocre that we see in life. Where did you get your work ethic from?
1: Oh, I got it from my father. We were raised by a single father. Okay. And my father, it was just an individual who was the, our best friend, our mentor, but the hardest working person. And Also, my maternal grandparents. My grandmother and grandfather were extremely hardworking. My grandma was, a, uh, she used to walk five miles back in the 20s to go, to, back in the 30s, excuse me, to go to elementary school, to the bus, five miles there, five miles back. My grandfather was a, uh, was in the Army. He was a boxer in the Army. He was a boxing trainer, worked for the government. That's my grandmother did as a teacher. And my grandfather worked for 60 years, over 60 years of his life as a volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club. He saved hundreds of lives wow. in Southeast D.C. and saved young men from the streets. Gangs, drugs, all those things bad. And my grandfather's work ethic and my grandmothers and my fathers have been passed on to me because I learned that in life, if you expect somebody to hand you something, you're going to be waiting for a long time. And you have to go out, strap your boots up, roll your sleeves up, and work for what you
0: want. What do you think was the hardest part of this journey for you? Do you think it was the biggest challenge where you really had to, you know, really grab yourself and, and, and straighten yourself out?
1: The biggest challenge was, as a custodian, having to deal with the way people treated me, thinking I was less than Mm. human, talking down to me, not getting frustrated, and realizing that just because I made a mistake doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It was the self-loathing I had to get over and stop this saying, oh, you're going to be always a failure, Mark, because you're going to be right here, Mark. And again, the pivotal moment really made me self-analyze Where was I in life? And what I realized, Dave, that accountability, ownership, and taking control of my life and owning my mistakes is what was missing. Once I owned the company failure, once I owned that it wasn't my partner's fault, once I owned that it wasn't the contractor's fault, once I owned it wasn't the developer's fault, it was Marcus Ogden's fault for working without a signed contract, for trusting a client that he shouldn't have. As a result of that day, that's when I had to get things moving. But the self-loathing and the the pity party for about six months was hard to get by. But again, the pivotal moment made me realize that self-pity, self-loathing will get me exactly where I am. Still self-pitying and still self-loathing. I made the decision to stop.
0: That's a, that's a hell of a decision to make. I remember... When I worked with my mentor, like over twenty years ago, one of the things he said to me was, "He says, you know, as you become successful, people are going to write good things about you. They're going to say good things about you." So the day that you start believing uh, the 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 your own news clippings is the day the hype card coming down. Yeah, the hype. There you go. And that's me. That was it. With Kate and I, started
1: believing all the hype. The next king of Baltimore, the minority contractor of the of the of the of the, uh, of the country. You know, uh, Baltimore's new Dirt King from from the football field, from the gridiron to the boardroom. Yeah. Literally, I started believing all the hype, and I started going everywhere. People would buy me drinks, and I would I would go places, and I would buy out the bar. I would have limo service. I wasn't married at the time. I didn't have a. I didn't have my wife at the time. I would you know get limo service and go downtown and want to act the fool and all this <laughs> other stuff and taking people on trips they really hadn't earned and and living a lifestyle of someone who fought money and fame and better than other people. And once yeah. I started to believe that, basically about six, to, about six months later, I mean, almost to the day, the company went bankrupt.
0: Man, what a journey. Um, what, is the, what is the thing that you enjoy the most now about what you do? I enjoy the
1: light bulb turning on in people. I can see it in their mind or I can hear it in their voice. Like I was just talking to a guy before you said, Marcus, your story is incredible. And the fact you made it to the NFL, then you were popped, then you got off the gridiron, built a massive business, then you lost it all and rebuilt yourself. That's exactly the type of stuff that people need to see and hear. And as a result of that, I want to work with you as a speaker. We're just going to go through the logistics and get back to you no later than Thursday. And what I love is he sees that my story can turn the light bulb, well, not just for him, but for his entire team. And that's what I love most about what I do now. It's not about just what knowledge I can pass to one person, it's how much knowledge can I give to the masses in the time I'm here. Because at the end of the day, it's all about how can you inspire and create a legacy for people so they can live their best life with you giving them what they don't have, which is your knowledge, your experience, laid out on a silver platter
0: in a simplistic form david they can understand right yeah i agree with that totally where are you going now what's what's next for marcus so what i'm doing now
1: Dave, is i'm working on automating the business with a great guy uh out of nevada out of las vegas nevada he actually lives not that far from my brother and we're going to be launching our programs going to be going automated by the end of the year so people can have access to us i can create residual income for me and my family and help more people with our message by getting by really getting into the internet and doing the internet marketing in a strategic very um you know very polished fashion
0: gotcha who is that in vegas can i ask
1: sure it's luxavani marketing his name is dakota burford Okay. Um, he's worked with some humongous people he's worked with, uh, he's done some work with Grant Cardone before yeah. he's done some work with, uh, Jordan Belfort. He's done some work, you know, with a lot of these amazing, uh, individuals who are very successful. And, you know, he found me through LinkedIn and we connected. And then when I found he lived next to my brother, I called my brother and asked him about him. and said, yeah, Marce, I know who he is. He lives not that, that far from me. He's a young guy. Cause he's only 30, very successful, great track record, great product. And uh, I think it'd be a great match for you. And he's got a a great system of how to really keep people engaged through the funnel, so mm-hmm. you can continue to move forward. Seventy percent people fall off, Dave, of the funnel if the webinar is not good. Yeah, and he's done a lot of studying on that, so he's creating a. We're creating a massive full webinar. We're gonna record it here in about a week. We're gonna put it together. We're gonna launch the funnel, and then we're gonna really start doing our residual every, you know, marketing through LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook, but he knows how to do it. He has a great sales team. And so once I do the webinar, it can become an automated program to really run uh, continuously and create residual income.
0: That's awesome. Congratulations, man. That is like, that is so fantastic. It's so great to see another kindred soul out there that, that really gets off on helping people change lives and brings that, you know, the inspirations. I mean, so many people today, they have trouble, but they don't ever turn their story around, you know, and realize that there's a huge gift in uh, in the pain that they went through in life. So it's really great. It's really great to see you do that. Where can our listeners find out more about you?
1: Sure. They can go to my website, Dave, uh, www.Marcus, M-A-R-Q-U-E-S, Ogden, O-G-D-E-N.com, and they can reach out to us. They can email us, Marcus underscore Ogden at Yahoo.com. Uh, there's a there's a chat with me on our website. Chat with us. Send us a chat. We'll get right back to you. We're very very accessible, and we want people to be able to connect with us, and we want to create value because in the, the day that's what it's all about. How much value can you create for people in the time that you spend with them? If you can do that, right. Dave, then everybody wins.
0: Love it. Thank you so much for being on here. I'm sure that uh, our people will go and check you out. Um, what would be, just give us one, one last thing, and then I'll let you get on with your day. Sure. This, I always ask people, can you give us one successful mind tip that a person could start with?
1: Believe it before you see it. If you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe to your core and your soul, you deserve to succeed. Nobody else will.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the show. It was an honor to interview you. You're a great man. I wish you all the best in life. Thank you, Dave. Have
1: a great day, my friend.
0: You too. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.